0: All
1: right. Hey, Mr. Finley. Good morning.
0: What are you, sir? Finley. How are you?
1: Good. It's good to see you after a long absence.
0: Yeah, man. Yeah. Bringing it back. Getting yeah. it back. You're getting back in the groove. Grooving. grooving.
1: Yeah. The, um... The official excuse I'm going to give is that there's been a lot of COVID activity that you and I have been involved in. A big uh, stir in the pot of COVID, and that's put us back. But I think we've just been lazy, too.
0: Uh, No, no, no. That can't be it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Just depressed by the year 2020. What's the point? Why keep doing this podcast?
0: The COVIDs did this.
1: Yeah. But we're back. I think we're back on a regular schedule now. Um, You know, this is... Go ahead, please
0: no we're working on it man and I think we're gonna call this our uh, our Christmas 2020 special here okay
1: that's the first I've heard of it but sounds good what yeah. uh what um as long as you're mentioning Christmas I have a question and that is uh you know what makes something a good Christmas and then I'm not sure how to complete that sentence I would say movie but also I'm thinking like uh, music like what is it that makes something um what pops for you in terms of a Christmas piece of art? I guess I'd say.
0: Well, I gotta be honest. I'm like kind of a I'm I'm really a purist when it comes to the whole musical thing. I don't like the rock and Robin uh, fucking rocking around a Christmas tree thing. Mm-hmm. My Christmas music is like the straight old classical shit. You know, yeah, it's the Carol of the Bells and uh, Oh Holy Night is probably my favorite Christmas carol. That's my thing there. As far as movies, I don't know. I think. You know this movie suffers a little bit, like some others. Some people torture the, what makes a Christmas movie by, you know, any movie that that occurs during Christmas time is automatically a Christmas movie, and I don't know that that's always the
1: case. Wait, so, but uh, I don't know that you really answered the question. You gave me an example of something you don't like, but what's the? Do, do you and and maybe it's too tough a question because it's on the spot. Do you have a criteria for like what makes good Christmas music or good Christmas? Like, what is the? Do you have a sensibility about like what's going to qualify as?
0: Well, I'm like saying back back on the Christmas music thing again. My 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 sensibility on Christmas music is like it's more of a classical thing. I don't really care. Oh, okay, you I mean in like, the
1: genre? of I don't classical. like
0: newer music. Newer newer takes at Christmas carols. Yeah, and Paul McCartney's Christmas Carol is fucking terrible in my opinion.
1: No, but I think I think Mariah Carey's is fucking fantastic.
0: Oh, uh, okay. But, like, what, I mean, was it, was it, I, I'm not familiar with Mariah Carey's uh, body at work here. But you so know the like Christmas a, song. Was it, like, an original Christmas song, or was her covering something?
1: No, it's an original. It's it's now okay. a bigger seller than Bing Crosby's White Christmas, I think. It's, like, the definitive Christmas song. Now I'm sh- I'm shocked that you don't know it, Tommy. I'm, yeah, I'm,
0: I'm going to have to do a rendition. I, I probably have heard it. No, I'm, I'm I'm a little, like I said, I'm just, that's not the kind of thing that catches my attention in Christmas music. You know, I don't really, I don't even care for, you know, Bing Crosby Christmas music, honestly.
1: It's I'm, attached I'm to a horrible movie.
0: Much more like back when, like, women were burnt as witches' music.
1: Yeah. Well, it's interesting because some, it's so, so much of Christmas is, is a, uh, is about tradition and nostalgia, right? Like, your Finley mm-hmm. number one pushed a Christmas song that for me always has a good, like, um, <laughs> nostalgia to it. But it is a an abortion of a song. It's horror. so so soul. It's, it's just the worst piece of garbage I've ever heard. That that see, isn't, I
0: disagree terribly on that one. The one, the, the one that most bothers me, as far as that's I guess considered a Christmas song, is the uh, "Baby It's Cold Outside." But uh, I love that one, Peter Paul and Mary. So uh, wait, you don't like,
1: like "Baby it's, it's Cold like Outside"?
0: I just I grew up listening to it. I, I love that song.
1: Which uh, you are you talking about? "Baby It's Cold Outside."
0: No, no, no. Okay, I'm talking about the one you dislike. I right. actually love that song.
1: But you said you don't like "Baby It's Cold Outside."
0: I, no, that's the one that. Yeah, I don't really care. <laughs> like every time I hear it now, it's just what a fucked up song that actually is. Stay rape, stay rape the song. I don't
1: really get that about that song. It seems like <laughs> um, like uh, um, begging.
0: Yeah, be. it's not a very dignified song. No, but, but it's
1: not. It doesn't seem rapey to me. What's that? It doesn't seem rapey to me. It just seems like this guy's sort of begging, like, ah, oh, come on, come yeah, on. Yeah, it's sad, <laughs> I mean, it's pathetic, wow, but. My, my collection of engines. It doesn't on. harm women, it harms men, that
0: song. What's that? Can you not hear me? Yeah, you kind of, kind of wa- uh, waver in and out on me. Oh,
1: shit. This is going to be a great episode. I'm glad we're returning yeah. on this one. Uh, it doesn't matter it doesn't matter yeah well so I'm thinking let me I'll move my mic here so I'm thinking about like um I guess the same thing for movies then because there are some movies that people love your family number one loved a movie a, a horrendous movie I think too with uh, the woman from the Partridge family it was in the late Sandy, Sandy Duncan no Sandy Duncan from I the know, Partridge I, family. Maybe sure.
0: I'm, I'm, I'm I, stop it. Be kind. <laughs> I'm old. I'm fifty-one. Duncan. now. Shut up.
1: <laughs> um, yeah, I don't. I think this is a, a quite a feat for you and I getting up early to do this, I, and uh, I'm, I'm seeing the effects well, of it to. now. It, it is it is an unraveling like I've never heard before, and that says quite a bit for the Finleys, man.
0: I was gonna say this might be this might become our best episode.
1: That. Welcome back, everybody! All right, <laughs> let's just, that my inquiring about about the Christmas stuff yielded. Yeah, all right, well, okay. So, which movie that uh, this hateful movie that did? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Let's talk about today's movie. Nineteen forty sixes.
0: It's a Wonderful Life.
1: Yeah, I'm surprised that we haven't done this movie uh, before for a yeah. number of
0: reasons. Me too. Maybe I'm it's too
1: it. on the nose for Christmas, but but I guess you were alluding to the fact that it's it's strange that this is a Christmas movie.
0: Well, on a, on several different, I would say on a couple of different levels. First off, it wasn't intended to be a Christmas movie when they first came out with it. It just it happened to occur, at, sort of at Christmas time was you know the ending of it, and so yeah, like I said, it wasn't it wasn't intended as such to be a Christmas movie. And more to the point, it's a fucking dark movie. It's it's really dark for a Christmas movie. I think. Yeah and but but it has been adopted as such and apparently the reason uh one of the reasons it's gotten so much airplay you know it's got that quality of like the Bee Gees, how everybody hated them back in the 70s just like, goes too much disco. like I, I never quite got that i always figured you know a, a, a if, the, if you if they could fucking get airtime they should just take all the airtime they get but some they got overplayed so it's a wonderful life has mostly been um Um, Mostly, sort of, has that quality of being overplayed in a lot of people's opinions. Mostly having to do with the fact I gather that they didn't quite get all their, um, uh, what do you call that, Uh, copyright stuff in order early on, so it was free for television shows, television stations to show it, and so that's why they just they jam as many versions of it during the Christmas time as they can, and that's how it's got the reputation of a being a Christmas movie and b and, and b sort of overplayed the way it is. It's very chic to hate this movie, and I don't quite get that. I don't
1: understand it at all, and, and it's uh, and I like um, Christmas Story, which is yes. which is shown I think twenty four, you know, continuously for forty eight hours on some channels near Christmas, literally. Mm-hmm. And I like that movie, but I don't yeah. I don't see that as a better movie than this movie in any way. Mm-hmm. Um, and and yeah, as far as the Christmas thing goes. Yeah, I'm sort of half with you and half not with you. I, I understand what you mean about it, sort of. It, why is this a Christmas movie other than it ends on Christmas? Except that it seems like thematically the movie sort of touches on everything that you also want to touch on during Christmas. Which is sort of like community. It's a bit of a commie movie, by the way. I'm just kind of shocked. That if, if it's I'm shocked at how much
0: of Frank Capra is always a bit of a commie movie. <laughs> it was kind of. I'm surprised you didn't come up in front who act real real hard at some point?
1: Well, then you think the the um, the World at War series and everything else sort of helped his credentials there. And also, even though I, I dig what you're saying about the sort of the socialist tendencies that that seem to sort of um, resonate from his films. But if you look at like Mr. Smith goes to Washington, it is a, a celebration of the of the institutions of America.
0: Well, no. Here's the thing: it's a celebration of the institutions of America, while it's also uh, it's also really pointing out the heavy graft and corruption going on, and it has senators hiring thugs to throw you know newspaper boys into the ditch. Like yeah. it's a, it's a, it's Capra, I think, has a darker is a darker director than he ever his reputation would ever suggest. And he's got he's got a little bit of that. He's got a, he, I, he's got a, he's got the thing where uh, I don't he, he's not so much a socialist or a communist, but he's not he's just he celebrates us while still saying we're kind of fucked up.
1: Well, he's a it seems like a better word would be a populist Okay there you go. There Yeah. go. And, and you know, we've seen in recent years what populism can mean the different stripes that populism can take I suppose <laughs> <clears throat> You know and it's that old question if he's if he's talking about, you know, the corrupt aspects of American government um, isn't that ultimately one could argue like the ultimate pro-american statement like we need to you know drain the swamp i guess would be the uh right. the modern equivalent right so mm-hmm. it's hard to see which direction he's going there but yeah i never understood why this movie got so much hate
0: yeah i think it's just because it, i think it's uh, as much as anything it's an overplayed uh it's overplayed uh that's got i think that's mostly it honestly yeah i don't see it i don't see it otherwise i think this is a this is a this is a great movie. In fact, it, you know, as far as like it being a Christmas movie, I almost just on rewatching it, I almost wanted to classify it as a male existential horror movie in a sense. Male
1: as in as in the gender.
0: Yeah, yeah, for for men. Yeah, for it's it's there's something of an existential horror movie because we watch a guy who. Never really achieves anything he he wanted to as you know he has let all of his dreams sort of go by the by the wayside in in order to you know take responsibility for all the various things in his life. Kind of it's kind of a bummer from a, from a you know from a from a male point of view and kind of not at the same time. I think it has that same quality. It's a little bit ambiguous on that.
1: Yeah, I don't. I didn't really catch the i never caught the the gender aspect that you're talking about, but there's something similar about um, there's a creepy aspect of the lesson in this film being that if you if you sacrifice everything that you want in life, that's how that's how you're
0: recognized yes yeah and, that, <laughs> yeah, and that's, kind of, that's a bit, kind of, it's a bit and unbearable it, you just see a man defeated and accepting his ultimate <laughs> his ultimate defeat there i mean in some ways
1: it's it's sort of a strange film because i think it's a really really good film with mm-hmm. um a, a, an abysmal theme
0: yeah yeah <laughs> in a yeah. way you know <laughs> i can go with you on that yeah it's really a well abysmal or just depressing i don't know but
1: no, because I think, I mean, as, as, a, as a point, if you wanted to call that propaganda, right? The idea that it's like, you know, ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. That's another, I, I never understood the appeal of, of that Kennedy phrase. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> wow, let's all gather around and not, you know, to deny ourselves for our country. I don't know.
0: Maybe, yeah, Although maybe we'd be a healthier uh, society now if we if we took a little bit more of that to heart. I don't know. But Yeah, I don't know. This is freaking It's just a. Freaking, uh, it's, it's just a uh, I love this movie, man. Uh, the acting. What about the acting? Okay, I think, you're Claren- a- I think Clarence is a little over the top, but I think all the all, overall the acting is pretty good. Wouldn't you say? You're taking a Maison
1: approach here. I see. Like, mm-hmm. like topic by topic. You're taking the, like a Steve
0: Maison approach. No, no, no. It's just early in the morning. My brain is yeah. functioning in this well, way. Well, okay. I
1: mean, look. Um, it's a film. I mean, I guess, would it be worth, before we get into the acting thing, just... For anyone who hasn't seen this movie, because I feel like this is a str- oh, yeah. Okay, one of those weird enough, episodes right. okay. where it's like you just assume it's like talking about the Wizard of Oz or something. You just assume everyone's seen it, but
0: I, just, I think everybody has. But okay, let's, yeah, let's go.
1: No, fair enough. I mean, I don't want without. Let's just simplify it and then tell me where where I go wrong, and I'll tell you. Um, small town. It really the the sort of the big um, conflict is is between. Um, Old man, Potter, Lionel Barrymore mm-hmm. uh, uh, and He's just a prick. <laughs> He's great um, um, Who has a kind of a, a stranglehold on the on the small town Bedford Falls oh. upstate, New York mm-hmm. um, And there's one institution that's keeping the town from totally knuckling under to old man Potter And it's the building savings and loan which which takes a generous attitude um toward uh, people's dreams let's say the, ev- the every man's dream of having a family and a home and not right, having to right. crawl to, to this potter guy who owns the bank and everything else and yeah,
0: let's be honest like like potter is like pretty much the ultimate plutocrat here like it's he's uh he, he's a he's a rough customer business wise and completely ruthless
1: yeah and
0: a and, money for money sake guy
1: yeah and and yeah, but that's what's interesting is he espouses of like pure capitalism, which is that kind of goes back to our thing about Capra. But we'll, I guess we can go back to that. So and, and uh, James Jimmy Stewart's um, dad is uh, owns the runs the business alone, the savings alone. Um, and, and that's kind of the big conflict. And then the smaller conflict is that is that James Stewart um, wants to get out of this one horse town and make him make something of himself in the world and build bridges and, and, and see, you know, see exotic places and get the hell out of there. And of, and of course, he's the one who's going to end up being trapped there, if only to save the institution, the building loan that's saving the people from Potter.
0: Right, well, there's that, and then there's the, 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 there's, there's his scheming wife, who also uh, you know, ruins his life.
1: There's a few I mean. scheming ladies in this thing. <laughs>
0: there's Violet, the she, town whore. She wasn't whore. married when they're like six.
1: Yeah, but she, there's, she's angling for him when she's six, mm-hmm. and then there's the town whore Violet, who's a whorish at six even in this film.
0: <laughs> and, uh, but it's, his camper goes subtle.
1: This film is, by the way, full of of tragedies or near tragedies that I've seen it like 30 times at least where my eyes get a little stingy and dusted up um, when it happens, even though I know it's about to happen. And one of the first ones is, is when the druggist receives word of his son dying.
0: Dude, that and, is the fine that that scene. Okay, quit hitting my bad ear. Fuck, that is rough, man. Right, right,
1: and and oh. and it's it is rough, but it's also sort of like, oh god, it's, it's full of like redemption and like you know the idea yeah. that because the kid had saved. It's,
0: it's the, strangely satisfying and hard to watch at the same time.
1: Yeah, and because because Jimmy Stewart as a kid had had saved the druggist from accidentally murdering someone essentially yes. with his drugs, yeah. his, his poison. <laughs> that that he had put together because he was in grief over his own son dying that that the druggist yeah. never never he never told anyone about it the druggist always owed his life to him and like so that's the beginning right that's the seed we get for this this thing about how Jimmy Stewart he, well, that's also the
0: thing where, hold on, I understand now. Yeah. Is uh, the, the the fact that the druggist was smacking him on the ear was made rough by the fact that he had saved his brother previously, his brother's life yeah. uh, during a, during a, like an ice uh, like an ice skating uh, like an ice sledding accident. The kid had gone into the water; he'd saved him. Got a cold and that it damaged his ear. So well, there's a bunch that, of them like oh, that. That comes into play later.
1: There's about 50 of those in this film, and and, and it, of course, it's Definitely. also kind of got got like the butterfly effect thing, right? So it's like without the the little George Bailey, what other things would or wouldn't have happened? And right. of course, this film suggests that they would be detrimental. Uh, and if you follow the logic of the film, it really means that also. Without a lot of people, we wouldn't be in as much shit as we're in either. I mean, if you can't just look at the, it. Really opens the door to the other possibility. Really what about you, Potter Stewart not being born? Should have born? been
0: wishing is that Mister Potter had never been born. Yeah, exactly. That would have been a totally different fucking world.
1: Yeah, yeah, entirely. So, so there, there's all of that, and and uh, but it's yeah. So it's like it's a film about I guess it's about choices you make, but also about circumstances and and those the the confluence of of free will and determinism. Is that possible?
0: but I don't know if it's anything about the choices you make. Is it really? It's just yeah, because George oh. Bailey is just is he's a character. Like, well, because now that I'm thinking about it, there's really good acting in this movie around the fact that most of the people in it are caricatures of one kind or another. I think. a lot of them are, and I think George Bailey is is sort of that as well. He's an interesting character, but he's a kind of a, again a caricature of like just the decent guy, the guy who's going to do the decent thing.
1: Well, that's the. And that's
0: gonna gonna fuck him immortally.
1: Anytime anyone has a conversation about free will or determinism, it gets it gets uh, circular, and so so that's a good a good case area to pause and look at it. So so George Bailey, he does make choices. He does Mm -hmm. make choices that keep him in that town, but those choices the choices he makes are because he's quote unquote such a good guy. So so. Yeah, to what degree is he really making a choice? Is is an interesting question. I mean, that's that's another thing I like about this movie is it's 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 sort of booed, you know, uh, and hissed at for being like too feel good and corny. But I think it's it's highly philosophical. This movie.
0: Yeah, it really is actually. Yeah, I, I would agree with you on that. It asks, it asks, and I guess tries to answer. A lot of sort of philosophical questions. It, it's like most camper movies are a, rhetor- there's a, there's a rhetorical, con- there's a rhetorical concept behind every one of them, I
1: think. Yeah, I guess you're right. All right, so was, so let's go back to that. So that was a long sort of um, uh, side road to a question you asked, so I apologize. Let's go back to the acting. So, where did you find it strong and where did you find it weak? I think the
0: acting overall was very strong. I think the weakness of any of the acting is, is as I just said, everybody is more or less sort of a caricature. Of some kind of a again a rhetorical concept that they're trying to go for,
1: but people can rise out of it. Look, them. look at Jimmy Stewart, Mary, Mary, don't you know me, Mary?
0: I mean, you oh, know, yeah, the, the guy who owns the restaurant, <laughs> Luigi, the good, the the, oh. the, the, the the nice immigrants, right? And, and how are we supposed to treat that? Like well. everybody, everyone there is like is like a to, to use a word we've overused in the past. It's a, it's a kind of a trope of an American slice. And, but again, that's Capra. That's what, that's, that's the medium he works in best, I think. Well, <coughs> excuse me. Like the, like the good Irish cop. There's a good Irish cop. There's a, there's a nice, there's a good cabbie and there's Oh, well,
1: they're good friends, Tom. And their names are Bert and Ernie.
0: Imagine that. Mm-hmm. And there's a, of course. They're gay roommates Annie. too. They never say that, but we're pretty sure.
1: Annie, the African-American maid. Who's you oh. know, jo- you know, kind of the stand-in mother and and jovial, and you can sort of dance with her when she doesn't want to be danced with. I mean, there's there's stuff in here for sure that that uh, does not, mm, shall we say,
0: age well. No, yeah, yeah. but it's a, I think isn't that isn't that a tiresome argument we're always having on this thing, which is these movies they're just not built they're not built for the modern sensibility to a certain extent, and there's just no way to make them that way.
1: Uh, yeah, that's, that's true. And it could, I would, I would agree that it's a tired conversation until suddenly you run into an older movie that did have a different sensibility. You know what I mean? Like,
0: um, well, we uh, do have to do, tri- we do have to do, uh, what is it? Uh, birth of a nation at some point. Yeah.
1: I was thinking of, uh, uh the big city, that Indian movie <laughs> we, we, um, reviewed not long ago.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, anyway, so, so, okay. So, um, I, I think that there are probably the the uh, biggest surprise to me. Did you know in the dance scene where um, Donna Reed kind of rebuffs her, the, the guy who brought her to the dance for in favor of Jimmy Stewart, you know who that is, right? No. That's Alfalfa. Really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Carl Switzer, who was who who Molly. my personality who, who was relegated to, to roles like that by 1946 and by 1959 was stabbed to death
0: really yeah whoa what did he well, do
1: what didn't he do that whole our gang you know jackie um yeah. coogan got the best deal out of all of them for merely being raped for his money froggy if you recall he was run over by a bus no, um, a lot of the R gang kids right. were uh, suffered horrible deaths.
0: Right, I think. Well, Coogan did. Uh, I think Coogan's definitely the one who came out of it. He was eventually Uncle Fester, which I didn't know that for a long time.
1: And he directed one of the greatest television shows of all time. Did he now? Yeah, that's right.
0: Land sakes! Okay, great. great. All right, Quincy.
1: Um, anyway. oh, <laughs>
0: um,
1: yeah, Donna Reed. I mean, look, Donna Reed is um, a little like Myrna Loy. I find her so <laughs> likable that I can't tell whether she's a good actress or not.
0: She is a bit of a cipher, yeah, for sure. I'll grant you that. You know, uh, she, I mean, she adequately delivers her lines, but she doesn't, you know, she, she doesn't pop.
1: I'm starting to think you're right, and that. Some, I, maybe I'm living oh, in a, no. a wonderful life right now. Clarence, are you trying to show me something? But Tom Tom is right. And it's that I'm thinking about Lionel Barrymore. And it's like, well, you couldn't no more of a caricature could you find than, than old man Potter. Yeah. Everyone yeah. else is just kind of a one-liner. I mean, even Keith, uh,
0: not Keith. You didn't show him actually burning down an orphanage, but you knew it was him. you he you, you knew that would make him smile hard.
1: Um, the cop, who I who I believe is Ward Bond, by the way, it is yeah. Um, the cop and beloved character Burton, or the, the taxi driver and the cop, they're sort of co-stars, but I don't think they have more than six lines apiece.
0: And four of them are them singing during the honey during the shitty honeymoon.
1: Creepily as James Stewart puts the nails to Donna Reed, we suppose.
0: Oh, Mary, yeah, uh, what, about, what, about the, what about the panicky American populist going into their bank and wanting their money regardless? You know, I, <laughs> even that's a, even that's a chunk of like genuine Americana right there.
1: Yeah, but here comes the commie. Uh, uh, what's his name? Our director, who I'm forgetting all of a sudden.
0: No, uh, Frank Capra.
1: Frank Capra. Um, they give away their own money.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh huh. The see? gulag
1: yeah. is next, my friend.
0: Aren't <laughs> right there? Right there? Barry Sanders. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, <coughs> Barry Sanders? It is too early, Tom. Are you talking about Bernie Sanders?
0: That's what I said. Bernie Sanders. <laughs> talking about. Yeah. I, was talking about, I was talking about Hall of Fame cornerback Barry Sanders.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jeez, Joe what I thought you meant Dion Sanders. I think he would have been great in that role as Old Man Potter. <laughs> Anyway, moving on. Uh, <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> no, it's a terrible oh, sh- and it's a terrible episode. It's a te- it's a terrible episode. That's the title of this. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. <laughs> it's a terrible episode. It's awful. So, anyway, um, and, and then, well, okay, so like the last 20% of the movie is, as you say, the darkness, right? The darkness sense because George Bailey gets to see what this whole town would be like without it. I'm presuming just the town. I'm presuming it's not like the whole eastern seaboard that's suffered because of this guy.
0: <laughs> it might be. You never but know. One of my favorite. So, 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 so Clarence the Angel wants to get his uh, wants to get his wings and he has to perform a deed. He has to be a guardian angel for somebody, which again, it's, it's, it sort of mitigates against the classical Christmas movies so much because it's just that he wants his wings. You know, it's not a Christmas theme. But anyways, his job is he's going to be George's guardian angel, and he wants to stop George from killing himself um, mm-hmm. because everything sort of crowds up on George, and his incompetent uncle tries to almost kills him. Fuck, uh, so man. he tries. So he's thinking, he's contemplating killing himself. He starts to do it, and then he's saved by Clarence and basically the whole point of the movie is Clarence shows him what the world would have been like specifically Bedford Falls his town would have been like if he had never been born so boom that's one of my fav- what goes on
1: one of my favorite manifestations of his never been having been born is that he goes back to the town and he looks up at the marquee and it's like dirty movies <laughs>
0: Well, yeah, every, everything, everything, everything in, in by the way the name of the town is now Pottersville right. and everything is a, a dirty movie or a, or a bar or a, some kind of speakeasy just just loose and body morality everywhere and by the way um,
1: uh, without any the, the, the name of the, the estate the, the, the gated community is Potter's field
0: right, <laughs> right. which the old word for uh, where they where they bury you know beggars people who have no money. Uh, yeah, it's about, and, and I like the fact that they never stop and say what Bedford Falls actually does. Like, what's their what's the industry in that town? No, they like, How could it possibly support that many bars? And speak easy well, there, there's, a,
1: there's a point in which he talks about it being a dying town because um, before he gets together fully with Donna Reed, he goes in and, and their stupid, stupid friend who says "ea" all the time is on the phone. and <laughs> He's made it big in New York, and 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 Jimmy Stewart talks about the plant that closed down and, and why uh, yes. a town that had been a manufacturing town. I mean, it's it's an interesting that's an interesting story too about about. Industry in America and, and its effect on these small towns, and
0: well, and that's I mean, again, we're, to, we're again we're in uh, we're in what's his name's world, and so he's so that's one of the things he'll talk about, like you know, sort of like the glory of old uh, small town America and all that kind of stuff, and you know how that's that's a thing we aspired to at one point, you know, how we're, we're losing that. Yeah,
1: no question about it. Yeah, so so to your point, I mean, it's it is definitely a movie that um, I have seen throughout the year on any given year, and I can watch it in March, and I can watch it yeah. in August, definitely.
0: But um, I got to be, you know, and here's the thing, I gotta be honest about this, because we talk, please, We started off talking about how this, um, you know, kind of, uh, uh, it's chic amongst our irony-poison generation uh, to not watch this movie or to, to, to diss it. And I have to be honest, I played that game for a long time without ever having seen the damn thing. Oh, really? I only saw it first time about I want to say maybe 10 years ago or five, seven, seven, 10 years ago. I, and I finally, uh, I was sort of stuck in a position where I had to watch it. And I was like, no, oh, what the fuck has been wrong with me all these years? This is a good movie. So, yeah. you know, but so I have to, I have to admit, I, I played that game for a long time myself.
1: Yeah. It's probably my favorite Capra movie, to be honest with is you. Is it really?
0: Well, hold on. What's my favorite Capra? I got to go with it. I still love Pocket Full of Miracles. I got to. That's that's my weak spot right there. Well, see, there's another
1: one. You know what? Oh, good bookend. That's not really a Christmas movie, but it is. Yeah. There's another one just I, like that.
0: There's something about there's something about Campra and sort of the, the the morality play that most every Capra movie genuinely is. There's something about it that, that I think lends itself well to being set in uh, to, 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 to like a Christmas setting. Yeah.
1: <laughs> okay. Well, yeah. I guess I guess we're both saying that we like it.
0: I think we, are, I think we are. Yes, I think we could recommend this. I think, I think I would say to all you people out there who are too cool for this movie, you're not.
1: There's a. Uh, I was reading uh, something about the famed guitarist Jerry Garcia recently. He had a stroke in the mid '80s. Do you know about mm. this? A drug induced stroke. Unsurprising. <laughs> Uh, And he had to kind of, like, relearn guitar, which is not entirely true. He didn't have to totally relearn it. But basically, he was way off after that stroke and had to convalesce into guitar playing for a while. But then in the late 80s, he was better than ever, I mention that, folks, because we, too, have been off for a few months, and we're kind of in that post-stroke Jerry Garcia <laughs> episode phase, but yeah, our but shows... are going will... on the timeline. We don't have that many more years to go anyways. It's okay. <laughs> the shows will get better. You'll outlive us all. I think we're just rusty, because I, yeah. I, I thoroughly uh, did not enjoy this episode at all, Tom, although it's good to see your face always.
0: Oh please. We had a couple of laughs. We had a couple of tacos. Oh, yeah, we like, thought some deep thoughts. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> we were probably wrong about most of it. Yeah. All right.
1: All right. Well, we'll be back next week because we're on a roll, baby. Um. Yeah. Merry, Merry Christmas to you,
0: Tom. No, Merry Christmas to you and to, to all of our to all of our delightful Finley fans.
1: And I would say Happy Holidays in general to yeah. keep it, you know, you know.
0: Agreed. Okay, Tommy. Okay, now it now it became shitty. <laughs> Was right that there. the turn? Right there. Finally right there. on that turn? Finger on the spot. Uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, Tommy. Love you. I love you too, man.